Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Are you doing well this morning? Turn to your neighbour and say, you are looking fine today. Turn to your other neighbour and say, you're looking more fine today. And now point to yourself and say, I'm looking the finest today. (laughs) Hey, if you're new here, welcome. Um, If you're online, welcome as well. We've got a few testimonies I just want to share. It's good to testify uh, to what God is doing, um, and testimonies are the fuel, uh, or if you're American, the gasoline, to the fires of revival. Any, anyone ever had a, like a fire that you've like a fire pit and you've chucked on some petrol? It's not very smart necessarily. I don't condone it for our young people, but you watch that just go up. And that's what testimonies are in the kingdom. And so it's important for us to share testimonies. And testimonies aren't just for you, they're for others. And so make sure if you have a testimony, let our office know. Let your connect leader know. Let me know. I love hearing testimonies. And we've had some great testimonies. There was an amazing testimony. I got a text on Friday about an amazing best testimony I've heard. Best? Can you rate them? Uh, (laughs) But I actually, I want to get that person up at some point soon to actually talk about a bit about their story and their testimony. So we won't do that today, but it's on the cards. Here are some testimonies just to share. Um, at youth, um, somebody, uh, let me just get this. Um, they were in pain and had pain in their back. Anyone ever had back pain before? It's the worst. Um, and they weren't able to stand up straight and they experienced um, some prayer and the pain completely left, which is great. Um, And the person actually went home and their mum was in pain and they prayed for their mum and their mum got healed as well. So how awesome is that? The prayers go for that. Somebody just uh, thanking God, they struggle with anxiety and they're feeling like some healing has happened and they're free from that, which is awesome. Somebody here is thanking God for uh, they needed some accommodation and someone has provided accommodation for them as well as $1,000 to cover petrol and food, which is great. Um, two weeks ago, we had our Youth Alive event um, and we had a bunch of our youth go up. Five denominations were there, um, over 300 youth, over 30 Decisions for Christ were there, which is amazing. Um, how awesome is that? Like next generation getting set up and the things of God is powerful. We've got a couple of connect groups that have started and are growing, which is amazing. Um, today's connect training is going to be fun as well, so make sure you're all there if you are in a connect, running a connect or want to run a connect group. Um, someone's thanking God for our kids team who, while our kids uh, leaders were away, stepped up in a major way. Um, so thank you to our kids team. Kids team, uh, you are heroes, and thank you for looking after my son and teaching him the ways of God. Um, Someone's thanking God for volunteers stepping up more and more volunteers joining our teams. 
uh, new connect groups launching, and January, February, verse March and April. So in the past two months, our church um, has grown by 23%, which is great as well. So yeah, God's doing some great things. People are joining the church because God's doing something, and people, I think, are desiring a reality of God's presence. And so we're just going to keep pushing into that, keep leaning into God in a powerful way. Who has your Bibles this morning? Why don't you turn to Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Mark 14, verse 3. We've been doing a series um, called Breaking Ceilings. And the idea being that you can't grow past the ceilings that happen in our lives. A plant can't grow past the ceiling, therefore a ceiling must be broken in order for that to keep growing. And in our lives, for us to step into the favour of God for our lives, as our yearly theme is the Father's favour, we have to deal with, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, any type of ceiling that we have allowed to uh, cover us that might cause us to stop growing in God. So we've spoken about things like, we've talked about breaking or causing, us, having a spirit of hunger and breaking um, any type of uh, wrong, bad habits when it comes to what we feed on. Um, I am in week two of my gym and healthy eating. But I must confess, I had a 24-hour bender. <laughs> Friday night to Saturday night. I, I ate pizza, I had meat pie, I had spaghetti. My, my mother-in-law makes amazing, amazing mince. Thanks, Kathy. Great spaghetti bolognese. Oh, she calls it mince. Um, and it was just a great 24 hours. But I feel terrible. So today I'm back on the, back on the straight and narrow. Um, and I've lost three kilos so far, so I don't... I, you don't need to applaud that. You don't need... You don't, you don't need to applaud that. And it doesn't, I mean, it definitely helps when someone at the gym texts me regularly saying, send me through screenshots of your MyFitnessPal, uh, which is a, a log of all your food. So I have people on my case. Uh, I might have forgotten to log the last 24 hours, but the rest is okay. So we talked about being hungry for God. We've talked about dealing through the ceiling, uh, breaking the ceiling of unforgiveness. Uh, which is a big one. We talked about, uh, what other ones? Breaking addiction, the ceiling of addiction. If you have addictions, um, that God wants to set you free from that. We've talked about breaking the ceiling of insecurity. And that was last Sunday. And if you, if you missed that, or even if you were here, there's so much great principles in that message. And they're all on our website, so you can go and listen to them. And allow the Lord to cause your heart to be free because you don't want to live a life bound. It's a heavy burden. We're all called to live lives free and full of joy and not carrying weights that we shouldn't be carrying in Jesus' name. Did I miss any? Oh, and, and Pastor Charlie talked about um, breaking through the ceiling of your storm, which was a great message. And so if any of those things that you, I mean, every one of us probably at different times have all those things, but it's great just to apply these principles. And the heart of this series which is to actually allow us to be free and to receive the favour of the Father 
so that we can be all that God has called us to be as the people of God. Can I hear an amen? So today I want to speak to you about uh, breaking the ceiling of control. (laughs) Breaking the ceiling of control. Um, And I do have a prop that is somewhere or is coming along somewhere. Um, Oh, here it is. Thanks. Thanks, Noah. Um, Noah is a farmer and his favourite show is Farmer Wants a Wife. (laughs) So make sure you ask about that, how that was. You can put it up here, bro. Thank you. Thanks. If you want any gardening tips, he's a farmer. Maybe he can help as well. And if you need to borrow a combine harvester, he's the guy as well. His family. So I remember uh, when I was a bit younger, I used to surf or try and surf. I don't know what you would call it. Um, And I see it in my future surfing. Um, I say that to Tom Herbert every year, and I haven't seen it through, but I still see it in my future. But I went through a season where I really, I'd go out as much as I could, and I, would, I, would, I could go to the place where I could stand up and go across the wave and all that, but that was about it, and, and that, but that was cool. And, and I remember um, some friends were like, hey, we're going to go out to Kurrarong, to a, a beach called Windy. Anyone heard of Windy Beach out at Kurrarong? It can be windy. I think that's why it's called windy. And, and so we went out to this beach. But the thing is about windy is, is that the waves, it's like a sandbank type thing. And it's one of those places where it can get very powerful, the waves there. It's quite a, um, a powerful wave if the swell direction's right. And so I was out there and these other people I was with were much, much better surfers than me. But I wanted to be... You know, I wanted to be a big boy, so I went out with them and, 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 and gave it my best shot. But the thing is about this surf location was that, you know, if, if, if waves break over a reef, it's consistent, but if it's breaking over sand, sand actually moves with the swell, with the tide, with the whole bunch of factors. And this break was a break where it would break on a sandbank, and you'd think, oh, that's where the channel is, but then five minutes later, a big set would come through, and a set's like three big waves in a row every few minutes, and that would break in a different location where you thought you were safe, you weren't safe anymore. And so it was a bit of a, a dodgy place to surf, and, and, but also a good place if you know what you're doing. And I was out there and, and I was just, it, it was a type of, it was big enough that you're nervous. Who here surfs or bodyboards, you know, or tries to? Who here calls himself a surfer? Yeah, okay, yeah. The farmer over here is. And it's the type of day where you're looking to the horizon intently because you're thinking there could be a big set coming and if I'm not far enough out, I'm going to get cleaned up. And so I was out there and in the channel I thought and then this set turns up and it's about to break right like I can see it coming towards me, so I'm paddling as hard as I can. And the worst thing is when it breaks, it's, it's very dumpy, like it's very sucky is the word. It, it does this. And it broke right in front of me, not on me necessarily because you can duck dive under that, but right in front of me. And then it's that type of power that I'm like, I can't duck dive this wave. Duck dive is when you go under a wave with your board. I can't, and you bail your board, 
and you dive as low as you can under the water, deep as you can, and this day you would, uh, you would dive down and you would lay on the bottom and hold on to the sand and hope that you're going to be okay. And so the set came and it done this and I bailed and I was like a starfish <laughs> on the bottom thinking I'm going to be okay. But there was so much power this day that even with that, it, it, would, it picked me up and waves roll. Like if you look at the science behind, like the, how they move, they roll. And it picked me up and it pulled me and it rolled me with this big set. And what happens with more powerful waves is that you, it's like a dishwasher, it's like a washing machine. And you don't know where up is anymore. And you have two choices when this happens. And by the way, there's no lifeguards to help you on the beach. The other surfers are all trying to survive themselves. The good ones, are, you know, they don't care. They're probably catching the wave. <laughs> and so you're there, and I'm, I'm trying to look, I'm, where's up, where? And I had two choices. One was panic and try and, where's the top? Or the other option is relax and let the wave do what it wants with you. <laughs> Sounds silly, but it's true. And you, and, and you relax and you let the, th and, and it's rolling me and rolling me. And it got to a place where it was such a groundswell, such a powerful wave that my breath, my holding ability, because I was relaxed, was running out and I started then to panic. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't make my way to the surface. And it got so bad that I remember, and I've only ever done this once and I don't recommend it, I actually took a breath under the water. Has anyone ever been in that situation? It's pretty rare, like where you're like, I, I, got, I, got, I can't hold, I, and by the grace of God, it must have been in the foam, because and there's lots of air in the foam, it didn't cause me to die. <laughs> I definitely got some, some water in my lungs. And just when I thought, I'm gonna die at Windy Beach, where it's windy, thanks Rowan. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny how your brain works, in the midst of all this, you're praying, Everything's going slow. It's like everything slows down. You're trying to, it's, you, your body's going into panic mode. And then I remember thinking, I'm done. And all of a sudden, a sandbank or the sand I could feel under me. And I could push myself up because I knew which way it was up. And I popped out. And then I just went, oh my goodness, that was intense. And I turned around and just bus drove it into the beach <laughs> to lay on the beach and be like, my life just flashed before my eyes like a walrus just laying there. <laughs> the thing is about that type of situation was if you panic straight away, then what happens is your oxygen levels and everything goes out the window and you actually, people drown when they're trying to swim against the tide and if you're in a rip, you're meant to go with it and diagonal. But you see on Bondi Rescue, normally the tourists, are they go panicking, I'm getting sucked out to sea, I need to swim in, and they're swimming, 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 and they tire themselves out, and then they sink because they have no more energy because they are trying to control an uncontrollable situation. When Charlie and I um, <coughs> were first married, we went up to Kayama for breakfast, and there was a beach up there. I think it, was, I think it might have been Kendall's Beach. I don't know Kendall's Beach. And, and Charlie's a farm girl as well. So she grew up on an acreage and 
had a waterhole and that type of thing. So she's not super confident with ocean. And so I was teaching her about waves and rips. And we went to this beach, and I love big shore break waves. Anyone love big shore break waves? That's when it's really shallow and the waves are really dumpy. And then you just get dumped by the... But it's so shallow that you can just stand up normally and you're okay. We're out there, and I'm teaching Charlie how to, you know, work with big, dumpy shore breaks. And this, this day was quite big. And how not to panic, because when she would get dumped or when she would lose her footing, I could see it in her face, that look of panic. Anyone know what that look is? It's just like, oh, like, and like just relax. You've got to relax. Just, like, it's okay. Like, just swim across. She'll come back in. And she was getting better and better. And then this set was coming. And I was teaching her how to body surf. And the set came in, and I was like, this is going to be hilarious. That's what I thought to myself. And I said, quick, there's a way. I was like, go for it, go for it. Which is like, push yourself off and then body surf. But she was just learning. And she went, okay, okay, I trust you. Yes, trust me. Your new husband. And she pushes herself off. And she literally, I look back, and I just see her legs. Like, she kind of goes for it, her legs just in the air. And then, bang! And then I couldn't see her. She disappeared, and the water was like this deep. Like, I don't, I like. And then all of a sudden, she just launches up, and she's just like gasping for breath, like coughing, you know, and I'm just hilariously laughing, because I just think this is the most funnest, awesome, and it's going to teach her a great lesson. <laughs> What a great husband I am. <laughs> Building marriage 101. The other time I was actually seen where I've been in a situation where I could be in control and you learn not to be panicked is when your wife is in labour. Or the dad, any dad, you know what I'm talking about. It's a situation that is out of your control as a male. All that you can do is watch your wife go through this excruciating, crazy period of time and just stay out of the way. Any husbands here, or will you like, come on, breathe? Anyone do that? Any, any, any of the guys here? Come on, be honest. Yeah, Alan done it. I know he did. I know Kathy told him off for it. Anybody else? Yeah, Mark Webster. Well, your wife had babies in the front seat of your car. <laughs> babies. <laughs> you didn't make it to the hospital. <laughs> but when all that's going on, and it doesn't matter what pre-birthing classes you do, you, you just, it's, it's, I was terrified. <laughs> Things were happening I didn't know could happen. <laughs> Bodies were moving on my I didn't know could move. I didn't, it was just, I was not prepared for what was happening or what was to come. And I had a choice. Control the situation or relax and let go and let God. Relax and let the professionals look after what was happening. It wasn't going to help if I'm pushing the doctors and nurses out of the way and saying, steer clear, I've got this. I've read the books. I've seen, I know. And I'm there trying to catch. It's not going to be good for anybody. In particular, me. 
So you have a choice. And I'm telling you, all the dads here who have been in the birthing suites, suites, whatever they are, know what I'm talking about. Well, you've just got to let go and let, let, let what needs to happen happen and just the prayer, I tell you, it makes you pray. I'm being honest, come on, is anyone else like this? I'm seeing Greg smile, maybe he gets it, I don't know. There's a constant battle between living lives of control and surrendering ourselves in complete trust in God. Our natural man earnestly wants to control every area of our lives, but our spiritual man knows that freedom is found in ultimate surrender. Naturally, we want to be in control. Naturally, we, things happen in our life, situations happen, and, and we get that feeling of, I feel out of control. I need to be in control. And this is where stress, this is where anxiousness, this is where worry starts to creep in because we are battling between control and surrender. The way that we break the ceiling of control is through surrender. Who here would agree that our God is a trustworthy God? And who here would agree that our God is a good father who looks after his children? So we have to remind ourselves to trust in God. And it's like, you know, when you're watering the garden and you have, you know, a hose, we've got a hose link, great investment, not sponsored, but great investment. No more hose kinks. You get these things where you're watering the garden or you're, you're trying to do something with the hose and you want, the, you want water to flow through this. But as soon as you get a kink, which is that, which can just happen by pulling the hose and kinks just appear, or you get those random, like, it ties us off in a knot and you wonder how that even happened. And you're trying to pull and you're wondering why isn't the water flowing anymore? And you have to go back and look and you realise it's a kink in the hose. Anyone else find that when they're doing the gardening or, or whatever with the hose? That is what control does to the power of God in our lives. The flow, the river of God, the, 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 the rivers that we talk about from the throne room that flow from our innermost being, Jesus talked about, get kinked the minute we start to try and take control of our lives. In that situation, in that circumstance where we're getting worried, we actually block the flow. But when we surrender, we cause the flow of God to start again. I, I, if we did a survey, I'll guarantee that none of us want to block or kink the flow of blessing in our lives. No one wants to stop promotion. No one wants to stop favour. No one wants to stop provision. But when we start to worry... I'm worrying about that bill, I'm worrying about that cost, and you start to stress about it, we actually start to kink the flow of God in and through our lives. We stop the flow because we start to try and take control. This is the power of living lives of surrender or lives of control. And I'm speaking to all of us. This is tested regularly in all of our lives. Every day for some of us, we're tested by this. And God is saying to us, the power and the freedom is found in simple surrender. Will we be a people of surrender, letting go of control and trusting in God?
<laughs> Surrender is, the definition I live by, is letting go of control and trusting God, which we love to quote, we love to sing about, but then when we get tested on it, it becomes such a battle because our natural man wants to take control, but God says, I am trustworthy, release control. And if you have children, you know what it's like when you feel concerned about your kids. If you have a, a parent who's older and, and in situations of sickness or ill health, you have this ch choice again, do I freak out or do I release? For our own lives, when it comes to our provision, our, our health, when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to our circumstance, do we try and hold on because that's what our natural man tells us to do? Or do we live lives of saying, Lord, I surrender it to you. My heart, my mind, my soul, I simply surrender so that, oh, that your power may flow through me. Yeah. Let's read this. Mark chapter 14, verse 3 says, speaking of Jesus, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Pastor Jockey, just check how much that's worth again. I just forgot to write it down. There were some who, were, who said to themselves indignant, indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that for this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her, but Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. You will always have the poor with you whenever you want, and you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. And she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, whatever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. How much is 300 denarii? Okay, this lady, and she was a sinner, turns up with perfume, which is worth $83,000 in today's money. Now, I like to buy my wife for Mother's Day or her birthday some good old-fashioned perfume. And I'm glad that Priceline does half price sales <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I'm not a cheapo, I just like a bargain. <laughs> hey, she doesn't see the price tag, she doesn't know, it's all good. And she's like here right now, so it's all good. You imagine if you even possessed perfume worth or for the guys here, aftershave, worth $83,000. And not just that, that's over, you know, well over a year's wage. Not just that, she takes it and she breaks the jar and she pours it on Jesus. She surrenders the most valuable thing she has, pours it on him to the point where those around, especially the Pharisees, this is what religious people will do, get upset because they have good intention but they don't have God intention and they say, wait a second, that could have been used. That's 83,000, could have fed so many people, helped poor people, helped 
the sick, what do you, why waste it? And from a natural man, you can see what they're talking about. But what her surrender did was it actually caused a power moment to happen to the place where she prophetically anointed the Son of God for his destiny. This is the power of surrender. When you surrender at Jesus' feet and you pour out your everything and you go, God, I'm not going to use this for me, I'm going to use this for you, and you cause the power of God to flow to such an extreme that it touched Jesus' heart, the Messiah, to the point where he said her story will be preached around the world now. This is the power of surrender. The others wanted it to be used in a controlled way. She wanted it to be used in a complete surrender way. And the beauty of this is that in her surrender, she then walks away anointing Jesus with her perfume, but guess who else smelt like Jesus then? She did. And it's in the power of our surrender that not only do we anoint the King of Kings, the King, but that we actually walk away smelling with the aroma of Jesus in our life. How awesome. So every time you're in, you feel like your back's against the wall and you're like, Lord, I just, I have nothing else to give. I just feel like it's falling apart. And you say, Lord, but I surrender. That person has hurt me. That situation has happened and I don't have the answers, but I just surrender. And Jesus says, this is the moment that you touch my heart. When the sinner poured out her best in surrender, she walked away with the aroma of Jesus. And when we surrender our best at the feet of Jesus, not only do we anoint him to be king in our lives, but we, be, be, we, we, sorry, but we become like him, carrying the sweetness of his presence wherever we go. And this is the fruit of surrender. Get this, Holy Spirit help us this morning. When we live lives of true surrender, we carry the aroma of his presence, which is actually the fruit of surrender. Who here wants to carry more of God's presence? This is how you get it, surrender. For some of us, we think it's reading the Bible more, we think it's praying more, we think it's, but you know what God says? No, no, it's surrendering more. And in that, you can read the Bible more and pray more, but it has to come back to a place of surrender. Surrender occurs when we give up our right to understand and instead put our trust in God. Man, I really find it hard when I have to not understand the situation. I want to understand what's happening. I want to understand my season. I want to understand my future. I want to understand my weaknesses. I want to understand my trials. And God says, no, no, no. Trust me, surrender to me, and I will look after you. And we have to remember, guys, that trust begins when understanding stops. So if we insist on being so intellectual that we have to work everything out, we miss out on living lives of surrender. Because surrender actually happens when you have no control. <laughs> cool. A couple of things. Surrender is our ultimate act of worship. 
This morning, uh, China and Ryan led us so beautifully. Great sense of God's presence. And Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, surrender, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true act and proper act of worship. I just, I love to worship the Lord. <laughs> Who here loves to worship the King? I, I, I love to worship Him because when I worship Him, it causes my heart to surrender and the Holy Spirit will always remind me that He is good and He is in control. We have to make sure that we are people of worship. And just to give you a bit of an insight, just to, just to upskill us. You know, on a Sunday, when the team is up here leading us, and we have a great team, we're blessed, but we, we, I don't think we understand how blessed we are. And I'll be down here, and you'll see often my hands raised. Why do I raise my hands? Do you know why I raise my hands? Two reasons. One, it's my sign of surrender. Lord, I surrender to you. It's my, you know, we don't just worship God with our voices. We worship God with our bodies. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So it makes no sense to me when we stand there and worship like mummies. It makes no sense because I worship him with my, and the Bible tells me, second reason, to lift holy hands. Do you know that, church? And the Bible says, lift holy hands. So I encourage you, and we're going to talk about worship as a church at some point. When it's not about style, it's about scripture. <laughs> so in worship, it says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph, yeah? yeah? Psalms. So we clap our hands. And then it says, raise your hands. Raise holy hands. We lift our hands and we say, scripture tells me to lift holy hands. So I lift my hands to you. In my heart, I say, Lord, this represents what's going on inside of me. And I surrender to you. And if you're, if you're ever concerned about the person next to you and feeling self-conscious, move. <laughs> and I've done that at conferences. I've done that in situations where I thought the people I'm with are going to hinder my worship. I don't tell them that. I just disappear. <laughs> Literally, I'll go and I'll end up walking over there and I'll go worship him in the, in the aisle somewhere else because I do not want to be self-conscious about my voice, about my actions, because he is worthy of all the praise and all the honour and all the worship. And if I'm too embarrassed to lift my hands, then guess what? I need to get over myself. So that's why I do it. And the second thing that happens in worship is that we have to understand that we must worship in a way and surrender in a way that we would if we were in the very throne room. Listen, some of us, the way that we worship, I'm telling you, is not how you would worship if you were in the throne room. True? Oh, Jesus, I love you. You're in the throne room. I'm telling you, you're on your knees. You're lifting your hands. You're clapping your hands. You are honouring him with your voice. And you don't care what anyone thinks. And you can tell his security to get stuffed because you are worshipping the King of Kings. And don't think it's a style thing. It's a scripture thing. 
we, we get so caught up in fickle, no, that's not my style. That's, I come from this background and they didn't do that. It's not, listen, go and study worship in the scripture. King David, oh, I'm going on a tangent, but King David, listen, this is, this is it. This is my pastoral heart. He worshipped God in such a way that his wife got embarrassed. And she said, settle down, son. Settle down, husband. And he said, you will not stand in the way of what my Lord is worthy, of what he's worthy of. You will not get in the way of what he, I will dance before my king. I will lift up his voice. And he done it to the point where his clothes fell off and it was in his underpants. Oh, but it's not the Aussie way. It's not about style, it's about scripture. So it's okay for you to lift your voice. It's okay for you when China's up here leading us beautifully and she's saying, come on, let's sing it. And we go, and it's not anything like what he is worthy of. Because he is worthy. All of heaven declares and lifts up with all they are because they live in a realm of complete surrender. And in worship, let me just challenge you this morning, our worship reflects our surrender. And it frustrates me when the worship team gets off the stage and they say, man, it was hard to lead the church in worship today. And guess what, church? They say that sometimes because they look out and it's just like, we're owls looking at them. (laughs) Literally, big-eyed. Because we're worried about what people think, or because we don't understand who Jesus is. If I'm challenging you, good, because we need to be challenged. We're not babying people in this church. Therefore, at the end, we're going to sing, I surrender all. And I want to encourage you to lift up your hands in surrender. If you need to get on your knees because God's doing something in you and you just want to represent what you're doing, you do that. And don't worry about what anyone else thinks because all that matters is the audience of one. And anyone here who has a bad voice gets self-conscious, and I get it because my voice isn't very good. I mean, it's okay. It's actually quite good. (laughs) You can't afford. You can't afford it, I'm telling you. My wife still hasn't experienced the glory of High Harmony Holiday. I'll tell you that. It's, it's, definitely, it's definitely there. <laughs> but hey, some people are so tone deaf, it's interesting. But the great thing about that, I don't care if you're behind me, you're tone deaf or across the room, tone deaf. All that matters is that we have been abandoned unto him. And he doesn't care if you're tone deaf or not. He cares about if our heart is lifting up a song. Loving a, uh, living a life of surrender and humility go hand in hand and you can't have one without the other. When we are surrendered, we have to understand that we become humble. I mean, after that comment, I don't sound very humble, do I? But I'm confident in the voice he's given me <laughs> for his glory. <laughs> Let your light shine on a hill so all may see it. Uh, okay. No, no, no. Um... Only he is worthy of my song. (laughs) Surrender number two is the open door to God's power in our lives. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says this, and you can turn there if you want, but 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Listen, when you're in weakness, you are actually opening the door to God's power to rest upon you. There are times when God's power will only break through in our weakness. And it's not that our problems attract power, but our surrender in our weakness is what attracts his power. You get that? When you have a problem, it's actually the open door for God to move. We live in a society where we put our best up on social media. We put our best meals, our best experiences, our best moments, and it's this false narrative because it's actually about God's power in our hard moments, in our weak moments. That's when we surrender because when you're weak, you have to surrender. True? And don't have shame attached to your weakness. The scripture says to boast in it. Boast in your weakness. That's why you hear me sometimes in church say, church, I'm not so good at this, but I do it anyway because I've got God with me. And I use examples where it's like, I need God to help me. You always hear me talk about being introvert and all this type of thing. It's because it's actually a real thing I have to give to him because his power rests upon me. So understand that surrender is the open door to God's power in your life. Again, it's the way that we unkink the flow of God. Control will stop the flow of God, but surrender. And so when things are happening in your life, and I was this morning spending time with the Lord, and I was just saying, Lord, I just surrender everything. I surrender my heart, my mind, my body. I surrender my emotions, my hurts, my insecurities. I surrender my good and my bad. I surrender it all and I give it to you at your feet because you are worthy. And that's all that he needs. You know, security and rest are found in surrender. Who wants more rest in their life? I mean like spiritual rest, not striving or being busy. Well, it actually occurs when we are surrendered. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So surrender with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding or control. In all your ways, acknowledge him, worship him, and he will make your path straight. So the place of surrender is an expression of dependence on God. When you surrender, you are saying, I trust you and I depend on you. What higher compliment can you give God than to say, I surrender, Lord, to you because you are worthy? Can I hear an amen? Dependence is surrender made manifest. Write that down if you've already noticed because it's very, very powerful. Dependence is surrender made manifest. Oh, how we don't like to have to be dependent. We don't like not having control. But surrender only really happens when we are dependent upon God. Living in surrender and being childlike go hand in hand. In Matthew 18, verse 3, it says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, 
you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, you learn this when you have young children. My little boy I'm learning this with all the time is that he's still, he's still he's, he thinks he's a big uh, a lad. He thinks he's, you know, he struts around. But he, when he falls over and scrapes his knee, his arms are up and tears are down his face. And dad will come and will pick him up and will comfort him. He understands that his dad is there to protect, to comfort, and to encourage him. And that's what fathers do, by the way, protect, encourage, and comfort. And when it comes to that, I actually cause him to feel safe and secure and to actually become who he's meant to be. He surrenders himself. Now, if he hurt himself and ran away, and I had to chase him down to try and give him a hug, it wouldn't be the same, true? It would be me trying to enforce affection. But instead, he's a little boy, so he knows what it's like to surrender. And this is what Jesus speaks about here. He says, unless you change, and I love this, he actually addresses it. He says, we need to change. We all need, if you're you're an adult here, we need to work on changing. We hate change. We like staying the same because it's comfortable. But God says, change and become like a little child. And when we do so, we surrender and dependence is fruit, it becomes fruit in our lives. Is this okay this morning? Yeah. Breaking the ceiling of control. Here's the last, last few things. And this is a quote, but I love it. It says this. Great faith doesn't come from great effort but from great surrender. Who here wants greater faith? Great faith doesn't come from great effort. We think that we've got to yell at the mountains for it to move. No, no, Jesus said, speak to the mountain. Great faith comes because when we hear God's voice, well, Romans chapter 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that word for faith, uh, faith there is the word, oh, sorry, hearing or faith is the word rhema, which is actually the quickening word of God. Yeah. Who here has felt like God's spoken to them before? Yeah. Yeah. That is the rhema word of God speaking to you and giving you faith to believe God for what he has. Yeah. I'm not going to read this, but in Genesis 22 verse 9, we see Abraham about to sacrifice his son. God tells him, go and sacrifice your firstborn, your only child. Remember, Abraham was fatherless and was given prophetic words about being a father to nations, but he couldn't be a dad, and he made mistakes. And then he finally gets the promise in old age, and God says to him, now go and sacrifice your son for me. And it says here in Genesis 22 verse 9, that just as he was about to slay his son on the altar, an angel of the Lord said, Abraham, stop. It says, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son, your only son. And then he goes on to speak about his destiny. Not just being a father to, to Isaac, but being a father to nations or to a nation. He had to have the ultimate moment of surrender 
that by doing so it qualified him to step into his kingdom greatness. Oh, I hope you get in this church. This is good stuff. When you live in a life of surrender, I mean, God sometimes will ask you to lay things down, not just bad things, <laughs> not just addictions or insecurity, or those things are all negatives. It's the things that are God promises that sometimes he'll say to you, lay it down. But God, you spoke it. Lay it down. Surrender it to me. Give it back. Anyone ever found that in their life? That costs you something so dear. For, day, for, for, for Abraham, it cost him literally his promise. But because he lived a life of complete and ultimate surrender, it qualified him to step into kingdom greatness. So get ready, church. If you want to walk with God into greatness, be prepared that he might ask you to lay down some things that are promises. He might ask you to lay down provision. He might ask you to lay down those desires. He might ask you to lay down things that you've given your whole life for and he says, lay it down. Because he simply wants to see if you really trust him. Moments of great surrender qualify us to step into greater kingdom levels and therefore greater kingdom favour. Can I hear an amen? Oh, man, this is good stuff. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is all you. May we listen to it in our spirit. Surrender is simply saying yes to God. God tells you to do something. He puts it on your heart and you say, I'm too scared. He says, Gideon was scared. But he became a mighty warrior. You heard me last week talk about insecurity. Moses couldn't speak, yet he was called to speak to a nation. Abraham was called to father a nation, yet he couldn't have children. David was a boy, yet he was called to take down giants. It doesn't matter what your insecurity is or your weakness is. All you need to do is simply say yes. Yes, God, whatever you say, send me. Isaiah 6 verse 8 says, Then I heard a voice from the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. When was the last time we stood before God on the altar and said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Putting aside all our desires and all the things we're working for in life and all the challenges, and we simply say, Wherever you send me, Lord, I will go. Without conditions. But I won't go there, Lord. And I won't serve there, Lord. And I won't say that, Lord. And I won't. And it's like all these buts. And God says, Who may I send? And if it's not you, it'll be somebody else. So surrender is simply saying yes to God. So may we be people who say yes to God every day. How do we surrender? A couple of practical tips for you. Hey, start the day surrendering in prayer. Give it all to God. It's as simple as it sounds. Lord, I surrender all to you. I give you everything of me. Lord, take it all. Take all my good and my bad. Take every part of my life. Take every part of my mind, my spirit, my soul. Take my hurts. Take my insecurities. Take my fears. Take my, take my hopes. Take my dreams. Take my prophetic words. Take it all. It's all yours. And when I give it to you, then it's on you, God. Because that's what you have to remember, church. 
if you truly give it to God, then it becomes his responsibility. In our thoughts, let go and let God. Internal dialogue is so important. Internal conversation, internal thought processing. When you're stressing, when you're worrying, when you're concerned, and I tell you, if we'd done a survey today, most of us would have something in our life right now that we're concerned about. And God says, the key is to surrender. In our actions, surrender every day. Relax. Chill out, mate. Take a chill pill. I don't know what that means, but take a spiritual chill pill. Relax. Listen, practice mindfulness. <laughs> Part of what this gym thing I'm doing is two days a week in the sauna. Saunas sound nice, but they're not really nice. So I'm sitting there in 90 degrees Celsius, waiting for my alarm to go off. And it's so hot. And apparently it's good for you. It's so hot that I'm just like, I just, I've I've got to sit. And I start, and, and the way I'm starting to deal with it is I just practice mindfulness. So I close my eyes and I think, what noises can I hear outside? And I, and, I, and I list them in my head and I think about, okay, what are three things I'm thankful for in God? And I go through three, three things I'm thankful for. And then I go into three things that I'm praying and believing God for. And I thank him for that. And that exercise alone causes my mind to settle. And by the way, if you're struggling in your mind, just do that every day. It helps you. Three things, you, five, five noises, it, it senses you. And then three things you're thankful for, and then three things you're believing for. And it causes you to cause your body or your actions to become present. And the last one is this. There's plenty of ways to surrender. Start your day with worship. It's, it's just like a, it's like a cheap, it's, like a, it's easy. To, lift, to put, a, to put some, some worship on and to lift your voice and to lift your heart and it just causes you to just focus on a king. And it causes your heart to not be weighed down but to surrender. So today, you know, I just ask the band to come up. Let's just surrender our fears, our hopes, our dreams, our needs, our questions. And let's live lives of the one who is worthy in every way. Listen, your fears will weigh you down. Your questions can weigh you down. Your dreams can even weigh you down. Lay it all down at his feet. Who here would agree that our king is worthy of all of us living sacrifices? Well, why don't we we, respond this morning? The band has got this song prepared. I surrender all. It's an old hymn. But in this moment, I encourage you, don't hold back. Listen, if you are somebody who lifts your hands normally, lift your hands. Holy hands. If you want to kneel as a sign of surrender, kneel. But just think about the things right now that are in your control. And be really honest with your own heart. 
and just pray the prayer as we sing this song. Lord, I surrender it all to you. Everything I give to you. The good, the bad, the ugly, I give it to you because just like the woman, the sinner, gave you the perfume, I give you my life that I might be so entwined with you. I'll give you one more tip with worship. When you close your eyes, picture yourself in the throne room. This is such a key, guys. This is such a key. It will cause you to jump in next level really quick. God's given you your imagination for a reason. Part of it is to jump into bigger things. Just imagine yourself in the throne room. Picture yourself there by faith. And I've got something to say. There's a high chance you're going to be in that throne room in the spirit. Do you know that? If you worship with your eyes open, it's very hard. Looking at sweaty me, it's very hard. Close your eyes, unless you're reading the words, and picture yourself in the throne with the King of Kings on the throne. And by doing so, it lifts you and lay everything at his feet. Why don't we stand to our feet together? Let's respond in some worship and in some surrender together. In Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.